You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. I hope you guys have had a great week. So last week and then again this week, I've taken some time to talk with some specific women that the Lord really laid on my heart. And last week, we looked at Kimberly's story of what God has done in her marriage, and it's an amazing story of what He can do. So if you haven't listened to that one, check that out for sure. And today, we are going to look at another story of God's redeeming work. Once again, I'm going to put out my parental guidance disclaimer. If you're a mom listening to this while you fold some laundry, you may want to grab those AirPods again. But as I prayed through this episode, and, and really last week's too, my heart was just heavy for the women that perhaps are succumbing to the enemy's lies about us instead of rightly replacing those lies with the Word of God and what He thinks of us. We know that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So as you listen to Becky's story, my prayer is that you will minimally be reminded of how much he loves us, no matter what is in our past. But also, if you're someone who is has a story maybe like Becky's, that you find special encouragement in this. So with that, we will just jump right in. Today, I am sitting here with Becky Herbert, and she has such a great story of redemption, of things that the Lord has done in her life that I know is going to speak to a lot of you guys out there. And so I wanted to give her a chance to tell this, and we just want to be able to see the Lord's story through all of this. So Becky, why don't you start off by telling us who you are, where you're from, and then we'll kind of launch into your story. All right. Well... Again, my name is Becky Herbert, and I want to thank you, Amy, for having me here today. I have lived in Hillsboro for 30 years. I moved here right after my husband and I got married. We have two daughters. I currently attend Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsboro, and I am currently taking classes through Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta, California, just to assist me in women's ministries and whatever God has for me next. Very, very cool. Very cool. So tell us about your story. Take us back and tell us why you're sitting here today, why we get to tell this story. And I wish sometimes when people were podcasting that they could see that we're smiling because yes. <laughs> it, is, um, it is something that as tough as Becky's story is going to be to hear, we just get to see the hand of Jesus throughout it. So mm-hmm. take us back to your story and, and let us know, you know what brought you here. Well, I grew up in Eastern Washington with my parents and three older siblings, and we didn't go to church. You know, I, I feel like we believed in God, but didn't have a relationship with Him. And so in high school, you know, I got into kind of a rough crowd of kids at the skating rink. And I was just like any other kid looking for love and acceptance. But with this bad crowd of kids, it became very evident to me that sexual activity was kind of part of the thing to do. And in my home, talking about sex was very much a taboo subject. We just didn't talk about that. And so my friend had encouraged me. She's like, oh, you know, it's okay. Everybody's doing this kind of thing. And so when I was 16, I became pregnant 
And I, you know, I told my friend and so we did a home test and, you know, she encouraged me to go to the Planned Parenthood there in town. And so I went in and they confirmed my pregnancy and they asked me if the father of the baby was involved. And, you know, I said, well, you know, I had taken the home test already and had told him and he, of course, immediately said, get rid of it and broke up with me. And so when they asked me that, I shared with them my response. And they said, well, you know, what about your family? And I said, well, no, I can't tell my parents. There's just too much, too much shame attached to that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, no, I can't. And so they said, well, you know, really the best option for you is an abortion. It is legal. It's a very safe clinical procedure that will get rid of all your problems. You'll be able to just go on with life as normal. And there was no counsel letting me know of what could happen down the road physically, emotionally, spiritually, as far as the consequences I was going to face. And so the appointment was made. They only did appointments during the week, so I had to skip school. So I forged a note of my mom's signature for an absence. My friend, because the abortion clinic was at a Planned Parenthood, and it was about an hour out of town. So she met me at the school in the morning and drove me to this clinic. And we were met by very angry picketers. From people op opposing... Opposing uh, abortion, like pro -life, yes. They so were pro-life. Yeah. Appreciate their heart. But it was rough, mm -hmm, uh, you I'm know, sure. for me, not being a Christian at the time, of course, but it was frightening, honestly. And they were yelling at us, and, and my friend was yelling at them and just trying to get me in the building. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we arrived and... Honestly, I mean, just I was in no way prepared for what I would face that day. You were 16. I was 16. Which is crazy, right? Yes. And, and I, I... Ironic, you had to get a note that you had to forge from <laughs> yes. your, uh, you know, for your mom for you to miss school, but not to go and Ex do the procedure you're about to do. Exactly. Which is amazing. Exactly. And so I walked in and I, I can remember seeing several young girls just with these glazed over eyes, just sitting there. I mean, I just think you just are in shock, I think is really the only thing I can say. And so I was awake for my procedure. I know a lot of people are not. And so I was very aware of the sights and the sounds and what was going on and just given a, you know, just a mild painkiller. And so when I came out of there, my friend drove me back to school so that I could get my car and I was still a little drowsy, in pain, but I knew that I had to drive home and put on the best acting job of my life because my mom would be waiting in the kitchen and I'd sit up at the kitchen bar and tell her about my day. Wow. And I knew I had to, it was really honestly, and I think anyone that's had an abortion can kind of understand, you kind of put a mask on at that mm -hmm. point if, you, if you're choosing to hide it. Some people are very open about it and don't have a problem talking about it. That was not me. And so I put that mask on and I can remember coming home and sitting at the counter. Inside, I was just dying. Like I just, I can't even explain the feelings, but yet I'm sitting here, oh yeah, well, we did, you know, this and this and math and, you know, just the whole thing. And it's just like mm -hmm. this whole facade started that day. Just the mask was on and lies started hiding everything. And so life did not go on for me as normal. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, that night I cried myself to sleep. I was in a lot of pain and, but I woke up the next day and I thought, okay, 
that just has to be done. That has to be gone. It's behind me. I'm just going to move forward. Everything's going to be all right. And it wasn't. I continued in the same group, kept running with the same group of kids, but my behavior started to down spiral. And I was drinking, doing drugs, and I became sexually promiscuous. And in the course of over the next year, by my senior year at age 17, I was pregnant for a second time, different boyfriend. And so it was the exact same thing all over again. I told him I was pregnant. He told me to get rid of it, broke up with me. And so I went to the same Planned Parenthood, got the same (laughs) lack of counsel. My friend, same thing, skipped school, drove, she drove me out of town. It was just like the same nightmare all over again. It was just, I was numb, just really going through the motions at that point. And still my behavior, I became depressed, withdrawn, and yet still putting on that smile. You know, my parents still had no idea. They didn't Mm -hmm. find out for several years after, but my behavior just, I continued in very unhealthy relationships because at that point your self-worth is zero and you don't feel that you deserve a relationship where someone will treat you with any amount of respect because you don't deserve that because of what you've done. And so those bad relationships being cheated on, and I mean, it was just, you know, everything imaginable, verbally abusive. And I finally got to the point where I was just like, you know, I just want to meet the guy I'm supposed to marry. And I can remember sitting on my bed one night and just asking that, just crying out to God and saying, God, please just let me meet the man that I'm supposed to be with, somebody that will love me and you know take care of me. And interestingly enough, a couple months later, I was on a trip to Canada and I met my future husband. And this is before you knew the Lord. This is before I knew okay. the Lord. Okay. Which just, you know, it just shows how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. And he really does listen when we cry out, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, whether we have that relationship yet with him or not. But I met my husband and I shared with him, fortunately, what I had been through. And so we were married and we had our first daughter and we had her right away. And it was after, it was really after she was born that it really started to I started to realize those things I had stuffed down were starting to surface. And seeing her, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And so the first year of her life, that is when I started actually contemplating suicide. I was so yeah. unhappy. And I thought a lot of people will turn to addictive behaviors. I wasn't drinking or, or smoking or doing drugs or anything when my husband and I got married. But I contemplated it. I thought, well, but somebody will know. They'll know if I'm drunk or they'll know if I'm high on something. And I thought that I just, I can't do that. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to end my life because I'm obviously going to be a terrible mother and because I'm a terrible person and my husband's not going to want to spend his life with me. And these are the kind of things that were going through my head. The lies that just play through your mind. Absolutely. Lie after lie after lie. And so some friends of ours, when my daughter was two, I never carried out a plan. Like I I had all these plans in mind, but I couldn't come up with something that just wasn't going to be so traumatic for whoever found me. I just couldn't think of the right plan. And some friends of ours had invited us to a Billy Graham crusade in 1992. He came to Portland. And growing up, my grandma was a Christian. And I can remember watching him on TV at her house during visits. I had heard of Billy Graham, and I thought, hey, that would be really cool to see him in person. 
And so I went, and as I was sitting there listening to that message of salvation, I thought, oh my goodness, this is my only way out. I knew, I mean, I was just desperate. I needed something. And so my husband was there and our daughter was there. And I just looked at my husband and I said, I've got to go forward. You know, when he did the altar call, I guess you yeah. would say, and called everybody down. And I went down and my husband decided to go down and he was holding my daughter and she was two. And he came down and as I just stood there, I just felt in my heart that God loved me. I yes. just, there was hope, I yeah. guess is what you could say. So we both committed our lives to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior that day. And it was after that, because I had never attended a church before, and the friends that had invited us, I put their church down on the little response card. You know, they come and counsel you right, after right. you accept the Lord. And so I put down the church. And and so they had kind of a little follow-up group for that at the church. And we started attending that church. And as I was getting closer to the Lord and I, you know, I was listening to sermons and I was reading my Bible, you know, as time went on, I realized just in reading how much, you know, He loves us. Right. And one of the scriptures that really struck me when I was reading was Psalm 103, 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I remember reading that and thinking, okay, this is a good God. Like I, you know, I know He's going to forgive me. And I think you have that head knowledge, but it takes a long time for that to travel to your heart, to really trust and accept that. And another verse that I came across really early on was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And I thought, okay, it was just, you know, it was verses like these that I thought, okay, this is a God that I can trust. This is a God that does want me to have a good life. He he wants to forgive me. And, you know, even when you think of John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this is somebody that would sacrifice mm-hmm. their only child mm-hmm. to save me. And I thought, okay. And so after I had been in church for a while and I had met some friends, one friend in particular, we were out together for a movie or something, and she knew there was something in me. She could just, God gave her discernment. And she just said, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What do you need to share? What do you need to talk about? And I can remember just literally shaking and trembling because I hadn't told anyone else. And I told her about the abortions and she told me about heart. Mm-hmm which was a post-abortion Bible study, still is today. And at that time, it was crisis pregnancy centers. And she told me about this study, and I had no idea there was such a thing. And so I called the hotline and signed up for the class, and it was just, it was just an incredible experience. God did such a healing work in that ministry. And with that group— The Bible study is called Forgiven and Set Free, 
It's by Linda Cochran, who is post-abortive herself, and it really goes through that grief cycle. Mm. So it talks about relief and denial, and then you go through a phase of anger, and then you go through a phase of forgiveness, and then you have a part of depression, and then there's forgiveness, and there's acceptance. So it goes through all these different phases of the grief cycle, and really, you know, you are grieving the loss of your child. And it's just an incredible study. I, I learned all that God had for me and that he truly did forgive and that Jesus' death on the cross by accepting him as my Savior, he was my Redeemer. Yeah. And so it was just an incredible thing. And I, it was an opportunity for me to bring honor to my baby and to acknowledge that they existed. Right. And so being able to accept God's forgiveness, as I said, it took some time, but the, the most difficult thing was for me accepting forgiveness for myself, forgiving myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is incredibly difficult yeah. and it takes time. And so I went through the group a second time. I wanted to go through the group for my second baby and be able to bring, oh, okay. to bring that baby honor as well. And... When I was done with that group, you know, I thought, this is something that I want to lead. Mm -hmm. This is something that I want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And it was just really on my heart to do the training. And so I was able to do that. And one of the things that is so great about healing is that we can share that with other people. And I, you know, I think of 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by yeah. God. And it just became very evident to me how necessary this whole ministry was. I just didn't want any other woman to go through feeling right. what I felt. And you know, when I think about all the things that I was struggling with, you know, there are so many, you know, when we when we do an, a pre-screening with someone that's going to go into a heart group and we just ask them about different symptoms that they're dealing with, it's a very long list. Yeah. And, you know, so you're talking about fears, flashbacks, you're talking about depression, addictions, unwanted thoughts, anger, socially withdrawn. You can either be overprotective of your children or you can't bond with your children. You know, you have problems with different relationships. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I, you know, for me, I was one of those people that checked off just about everything on the list. But I would imagine too that when you think about what those symptoms are or maybe some things that ought to be indicators that, hey, I need some help with this, mm -hmm. I would bet that you're able to go, oh, well, I have this and this person struggles with this, so it can't be because of my history with an abortion. Or, right. I mean, I would imagine there's all kinds of excuses. What do you, what did you see or what do you see when you have uh, women come in mm -hmm. that are excuses that are made on why this that maybe that symptom doesn't apply to them or it's got to be something else. You know? Oh, absolutely. And you know, really that stems from the fact that when you go to a planned parenthood, they don't tell you sure. that any of those things could be 
connected to that abortion. Mm-hmm. So there's never any any inkling in your mind really that that could be connected because you're told it's safe and it's going to get rid of that problem and your life's going to go on and everything's going to be okay. When in reality, it's not. Abortion is so incredibly harmful to women and it takes that life of that innocent child. And so when they do come in, as you mentioned, with an intake Oftentimes there can be that connection. Oh, well, you know, this distant relative has this going on, or I, you know, I'm dealing with stress because of, you know, maybe they're connecting it to their job or, you know, maybe it's some kind of medication they think they're taking that, you know, it's, it's like a side effect or, oh, well, you know, we've always dealt with anger in our family or, oh, you know, we have alcoholism in our family. There can be many different things that can come into play there. But to connect those kinds of things with abortion, that's not going to be your first thought. Well, and I think, too, the narrative of the enemy cannot be understated in all of this, because all the way back from those very first words that you are here, even the almost the sterilization of terms that they they call things, and the no counsel, right, of just, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And really, at every turn, you know, as I've heard your story, you can just hear where he was telling you Mm -hmm. what he wanted you to hear. Yes. And... Then as you juxtapose that with what you did, what you did when you came to see Jesus and yeah. to see the love that He had for you, what a paradox between those two. Yeah. But also an awakening, I would think too. Of you know, it's it's easier probably to look at those terms in kind of a sterilized way and a desensitized place. But then to see the love that Jesus has, knowing all of those things, you know, from beginning mm-hmm. to end. Yes. If the enemy, you know, his his tactics, as you said, they have not changed from right. the very beginning. Right. And, you know, especially if we make a mistake, oh, well, you're not worthy of anything. And especially if you're a Christian. I mean, there are many Christian women that have abortions. It's not just women that are not Christians. It's Christian women as well. And in those times, he will say, you know what? You obviously were never a Christian to begin right, with. Right, You know? Immediately, he's going to attack who we are in Christ. If he can get us off track with our identity Mm -hmm. and get us to believe the lies, then he can keep us from fulfilling God's purpose. And I think that's so great that you bring up that because I think it's easy to sometimes hear a story like this and think, oh, well, this doesn't affect women that are Christians. Or, Mm. and Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I heard the statistic that one in four women, you can correct me if I'm wrong, have had an abortion. Right. And that means, folks, that is people in our churches. It doesn't matter. Churched, unchurched, that one in four no. stays strong, as, as I understand it. And that shook me when I heard that. And it sort of is what inspired me seeking you out to hear this, because mm-hmm. I really hope that women that are in churches, of course, we believe in the sanctity of life, and so does Jesus, and, he's in, and God values life. And you're going to hear that from the pulpit, that we value that. But I also have a heart for those women who sit there in those pews and think, oh, and the enemy sits there and just condemns them. Yes. And that's the enemy doing that. That is not God doing that. No. And it is, it's so much about condemnation. He -hmm. wants to keep us in that bondage. And, you know, I think oftentimes Christians can think that 
abortion is like the one unforgivable sin. Right. But Romans 3.23 says we've we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Like we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And that sin is not singled out in scripture to say, this is the one thing, ladies, that if you do this, you're not, you know, you're not going to spend eternity with me. I'm not going to love you. That's a lie. And I think oftentimes in the church, we can do ladies a great disservice by kind of having that attitude that that's something, oh, I can't believe that Mm -hmm. she would do that. And, you know, sadly, I've heard story after story of women that when they did open up and share, that they they were judged mm. within the church for sharing that. And that breaks my heart. Yeah. That's a sad thing. You know, the ladies that I teach in our Bible study group and women that we've been involved with in ministry, women's ministry over the years at our church, we really talk about transparency, how important it is for us to be real with one another. We're not fooling anyone, and we're certainly not fooling God. Everything mm-hmm. is bare and open you know, before His eyes. I think it's so important for us to share because we don't know, you know, just like you said with those statistics, if you have a large Bible study group, there can be several women in that group that have gone through it and have never told anyone. Mm-hmm. And if they see that they will be accepted— and that it's okay. Maybe they can get that healing that they need. Absolutely. But that's the enemy wants to keep us isolated. Well, he doesn't want us to be healed. He doesn't yeah, want us to be free. Exactly. And I think sometimes because there is this stigma to abortion, to that sin. And like you were saying, it's like people will say, well, that's the one thing you can't do, which is not, I mean, right. But we need to keep in mind sin is just all of our sin is awful, horrible. Yeah. And like you were saying, quoting the verse about that all have sinned. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to keep that perspective in mind that if you're a gal that comes and that is in that judging space that you were talking about mm-hmm. how, of, man, we should be turning that on ourselves because my yeah. sin is zero different mm-hmm. than what anyone else's sin is. And so I, I hope that it makes people listening that maybe you're somebody who's not had an abortion, but guess what? Yeah, You've sinned. I have sinned. Yes. And that sin is equally awful. And that sin, Jesus had to die for that sin too. Mm-hmm. So I, it puts us in this level playing field. And that, and I just hope that women that have been in that place of having an abortion and the hurt that is mm-hmm. there, first of all, I don't want them to feel alone because we're all That's a right. big group of sinners. But mm-hmm. boy, does the enemy really do a number on yes. those women and the lies that he tells. I, I wanted to have you talk about a little bit, when we had talked about this offline, you'd mentioned about just the shame piece and how you oh, almost yes. get comfortable. Like the enemy makes yeah. that so that you talked a lot about how there's a mask that you mm-hmm. put on and you get comfortable in these masks. Yeah. And one of the things you had mentioned is the mask almost of shame. And it feels like, yeah. oh, this is where I should be, so I shouldn't want to surrender this. And that's an interesting thing, right. but how crazy the enemy can be with that. So I was just wondering if you talk about that just a second. Yes. Yeah, it's you do. I mean, you get to a point where you feel like, okay, so this this is going to be my life. Yeah. This This is it. I am just going to have to settle in and be comfortable with this because I don't deserve anything better than this. And the thought of even broaching that conversation, talking with anyone about it, you'd rather die, honestly. It's just something that 
because that hurt runs so deep. And so, and the shame is just, you know, you, if the word abortion comes up on the TV or it's, there's a scene in a movie about it, or you hear a conversation about it, you're just like, you know, you just, you just don't know what to do. Right. You just want to crawl in a hole. Mm. And so it's a lot about just feeling like you don't deserve better. And it's almost more comfortable there because just in that shame and that guilt and that regret, instead of thinking about talking about it and instead of thinking about sitting in a group of women and talking about it, no thank you is what a lot of people, that would be their first thought. And you know, for me, if I were to walk into a church, at the, and, and this is at that time before I was healed and gone through the group, even after I'd started going to church, if there had been a table of brochures sitting out in the foyer, there is no way in the world I would have gone and picked up a brochure where someone could have seen me do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand just how deep that shame runs. Mm. If you want to put out brochures for your ladies, they need to be in a bathroom or on the bathroom stall door on the inside. That's how deep that shame runs. They Mm. don't want anyone to see them grabbing that, which is why it's so important when you do have a heart group that it's very confidential. Sure. You know, that nobody knows the time or the day or the location, you know, for these things. So it just, it truly does run so deep. That's so, it just grieves my heart that the enemy masks in that way. I mean, and, yes. and really is just almost it's he is preventing the the help and the healing. But let's flip Absolutely. that a little bit. And mm-hmm. you know, you kind of talked about where that life ha- was leading you, like before yes. Christ. And I mean, truly, almost to the point of taking your own life. It yeah. was that deep and yes. that despairing. Mm-hmm. And so put out there for gals because those that are wearing that shame and are just mm-hmm. going, you know what, I'm just going to sit in this because it's a lot better than anybody knowing. Yeah. We know being on this side, the whole life that the Lord wants us to have and the healing and the comfort. Yeah. And what would you say to gals that are just, they'd rather just live in that shame than come to the Lord and come and get that healing? It seems so good. Yes. But yet... That's a really tough line to cross. It is. And I think it's just a matter of we have to understand that God forgives. Mm-hmm. You know, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And once He's begun that work in us, He completes it until the day that Jesus returns. Those are the truths that we need to grasp and hold on to. And realize how much He loves us. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes to a point where we just have, you've got to reach out and you've got to just, you've got to take that leap of faith to be in one of these groups. I mean, like I said, when I told my friend years ago, I was literally shaking in my boots. Mm -hmm. Like I literally was shaking. And so if you can reach out, there are people, especially in these heart groups, they're just women like me that have been through this. They want to come alongside and they want to walk with you in this journey and pray for you and love on you and encourage you. And I think it's just a matter of, okay, you've got to, you've almost got to get that righteous anger and realize, you know what? And I think when I, when I went through the group the first time, there was a lot of that in me. I thought, are you kidding me? I can't believe I bought that lie, you know? 
I can't believe that I almost took my life because of this. And so I think there's a point where you've just got to rise up and you've got to say, enough's enough. Mm. God does have more for me. Jesus wants us to have that abundant life. And part of that is abiding in Him. And so we've got to take that step. And I would encourage anyone that's listening that has been through this and is at that place that I was, reach out, make that call. Mm -hmm. You will not regret it. It is literally God just changes your life, changes your life and the way you view Him as well. And you know, one of the things I love about the study, this forgiven and set free study, is that the first thing we talk about is God's character. Because it's so important to really know who he is, to be able to take that step and trust him with our heart. It's hard to lay your heart open and to really share these deep, dark secrets. For some that come in, it's been many, many years since they've told anyone, sometimes 40 plus years. And it's amazing how the enemy can can keep us so Mm -hmm. oppressed in that way and keep us in that bondage. But I don't want anybody to live that way. And God doesn't want that for anyone either. Yeah. I can't remember if if you were telling me this or if it was the other gal that works with Heart, but they mentioned that, Mm -hmm. you know, often there'll be Christians that are seeming to do well in their life, but Mm -hmm. they've perhaps never really taken this before the Lord. They've not really laid this down. Right. And people that have come and talked to you guys about, I don't know why my walk is not really going right. the way it seems Something's that it's not clicking. But they don't <laughs> yeah. make the connection right. often because right. it maybe it was so long ago. Or maybe they thought that, you know, just by stuffing it and keeping it in the past yeah. that that was there. But how do you see really taking that step and really laying that before the Lord and accepting the healing that Jesus has for you for the gal that is maybe not in the place where she is on suicide's step, but maybe looking like she has it all together. I mean, it seems like the Lord has something there for those gals too, you know? Oh, absolutely. Because there are some, some gals that go through the group and as we're going through that checklist of symptoms, they may only check one or two things. And on the flip side, you know, some people, they, they're embarrassed because they check every box. But on the flip side, some feel awkward, like, well, should I feel like I need to check all those boxes? Like I'm doing when, okay. Yeah. Like, is that a bad right. thing? Does that make me a terrible person? Right. No. You know, that's God's grace that is at yeah. work. But those that come in and they feel like, hey, I'm fine. You know, like, why do I even need this group? What, what's the point of this? But I think it's a matter of really asking God, you know, Psalm 139 talks about God searching our hearts and we need to ask him to search our hearts. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, he wants full access to every part of our heart, every little room, every little closet in that heart of ours. And oftentimes that can be locked away so deep that it's something we haven't we haven't even looked at or thought of for many years. And it's amazing how our minds can help us to cope mm. and move on with, with these deep, deep hurts. Our mind can just kind of turn that off. You know, and a lot of women, I mean, even for me, for example, I don't even remember the month or the date of either of my abortions. Hmm. Like that has just, and sometimes God, sometimes that's a good thing. We just trust God in what we what he brings to remembrance and what he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just locked away so deep, women don't even remember the year. Like they don't know. They just know it happened. Right. And so 
for those women that come and are feeling like, hey, I don't know if I really need this. Okay, well, then we just say, you know what? Trust the process. Mm-hmm. Go through this study with each set of scriptures, because the scripture that's in that study is incredible. Mm-hmm. But God has a way of bringing those things to the surface when you really lay it down mm-hmm. and just ask Him, Lord, I, you know, I don't think I'm really struggling with this, but okay, please search my heart and show me if there's mm-hmm. something something I need to deal with, something that I need to confess. And He will, when we call on Him, mm-hmm. He answers. Yeah. I want to end with a couple things. One of the things that I just want to highlight again, because there's going to be two different camps of women that hear this. There's going to be yeah. ones of like, I have no context for this. I have never known anyone, perhaps, or I myself have not experienced this. Mm-hmm. And since I can sit on that side of it, I would say, guess what? My sin's just the same. So right. we all have sinned. And I, I, I think our culture has done just a fabulous job, aka the enemy, has done an yes. amazing job of making sin look not so bad. Oh, it's not that bad. Absolutely. And it's another trap. It's another lie that he is feeding feeding us. So maybe there's some that hear this, that that's the camp that they're in, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, for those, I would just remind you, just like me, and we are all sinners, and our sin is all as bad. Yeah. So we all need to have that level of laying our sin down and asking Jesus to con- you know, to meet us there and redeem mm-hmm. us in the same way. But then I would bet, because we listed the one in four, there's going to be a lot of women hearing this, that maybe they have this hurt. Yes. And as you who have walked this road, we've talked a little bit about the heart Bible study. So I yes. definitely, and I'm going to list that in our resources so that gals, you can go to the resources section yes. on the podcast notes and they'll be able to see that there reach out to heart. But if you could just speak directly to a woman that's really struggling with taking that shame mask off mm-hmm. and saying to the enemy, calling a spade a spade, yeah. all the stuff you're messing with me here, that's yeah. the enemy messing yes. with me. This is not the Lord. This is not my circumstances. This is absolutely something the enemy is doing. Absolutely. But if you could just say something to get that woman, hey, to make that call, yes. what would you say to those gals? You know, there are so many different things that you can be struggling with right now. When I finally made that call, I was struggling in my marriage. I was struggling with depression. It was hard to get up and get going and just get my kids to school on time during Mm -hmm. that time. There was just so much going through my mind. And I would say that any thoughts that you are having that are anything short of the fact that God loves you and cherishes you, it's an all-out attack from the enemy Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want you free. He wants to keep you in that bondage because he knows that if you realize who you really are in Christ— and that you really accept that inheritance in Christ that Ephesians talks about, that you will be a powerful weapon because you will be walking in God's will. You'll be walking in His power. You will be an incredible vessel for Mm -hmm. God. And the enemy doesn't want any of that. Mm -hmm. So I would say to anyone that is listening, that is just, they're at that place that I was, I would say, just make that call have enough love for yourself. It's so hard to love yourself at that stage because you don't feel like you're worth anything. But I am telling you, you are worth so much more than you could possibly imagine. God Mm -hmm. loves you so much. And Jesus died for us. Mm -hmm. And so we want to take advantage of that love and we want to take advantage of that healing. And I would say make that call because there are other women that 
they need to make that call too. And when you get into that group and you're able to just, you're able to build friendships, your sisters in Christ in that setting. And it's just amazing what God does, but it's time, it's time to move on. It's time to get out of that pit that you're in Mm -hmm. because God is the lifter of our head. Scripture tells us he wants us to be focused on him, not on the past, not on the shame, not on the lies. And I would encourage you to get in your Bible, open that Bible and read God's truth, replace the lies Mm -hmm. with God's truth. And you'll see as you're reading about God's character, he loves you. He wants to see you healed. And once you get into these scriptures and God, he just, it is amazing how he transforms us through his word. He can do beyond anything, you know, that we could ask or think. And so it's time. Yeah. It's just time for a new beginning. It's time for a new start. And to be able to get into that close relationship with the Lord and receive that healing. And oh my goodness, I could list so many things that I have been able to do, many ways that I've been blessed by the Lord since I became healed and when I decided to trust Him with my whole heart. Yeah. He has given me opportunity after opportunity. He can use anyone. And any of you that are sitting out there thinking, oh, well, I've had an abortion and I can't be used, that is an absolute lie. Yeah. Absolute lie. He can use anyone. Man, that is so good. And I so love that. Becky, thank you for being so open because you've you've done what the Lord has called you to do and just being obedient to that. And I... I'm just excited to see the ways in which the Lord reaches women that need to hear this. So I'm so excited for that. Like I said, if you're listening and you want to plug into this, you want to hear more, you need encouragement in some way, please reach out to us. Please, you can email us at thedevotedpodcast at athecreek.com, or we will also list the resources for heart so that you can reach out for them. Really great, Bible-centered, focused just letting you hear what God's plan is for you and not what the enemy's plan for you. So Becky, thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time on the Devoted Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at athecreek.com.